welcome. Today, my friend, we are not going to be stuck with stats and analytics, but more so focus on the individuals and their key attributes, since in a special holiday fashion, I'm going to be listing my favorite players to watch from each NHL team. And of course, those selections will be supported with brief explanations that help you understand why these guys made the list instead of many others. This will be a two-part series and the later episode will be uploaded before Christmas due to episode length and the amount of players I'll be listing in these episodes. The first one will cover teams from Winnipeg all the way to Nashville and naturally teams from Montreal to Anaheim will be featured in the episode after the first one. So these are going to be soft, gentle and easygoing episodes for you to listen which should guide you away from any possible holiday hassle and stress that you might be currently feeling because negativity won't be part of this two episode series. We will go team by team and I will pick out the player that I most like to follow and since I'm more of a player than a team supporting guy there's going to be a few honorable mentions in the mix as well because in some cases I would have lied if I had said that it was easy pickings all the way through. So you can expect to see the top names of the league appear on the board because after all, you can tell me that it isn't entertaining to watch for example players like McDavid and McKinnon and see what they are able to do on the ice against the best guys on the planet. So just a cautionary heads up so that you don't expect to see fourth line grinders sneaking in there for each team. But that will be the theme of this week's show. Make sure you check out the social media pages highlighted in the description. And if you enjoy the content or just purely want to support the journey full heartedly, press the follow button or share the episode on your social media because that really, really affects the platform algorithms and creates more visibility for the show, which I'm aiming for so that I can grow this community and create interaction around the best sport in the entire world. Either way, I hope you enjoy the following plus 40 minutes and I hope that it will add some holiday spirit to your soul. But without further ado, let's get going. So last week we pretty much covered the major news pieces from the past two weeks and there really hasn't been any major headlines in the NHL world that would have somewhat shaken the status quo of the league other than maybe the grade 8 reaching the 800 goal mark which is an astonishing milestone and of course Eli Tolvanen was claimed off the waivers by the Seattle Kraken but that's pretty much it so we are going to go straight at it and start listing my favorite players to watch from each team we will go in a reverse alphabetical order and at the end I will once more list out each player to conclude my picks and I would be also very interested in hearing your favorites or if you're just ride or die guy with one team or one player or you only follow just a handful of names. That's totally cool. I totally get that point of view as well. So go throw your names in my DMs if you dare. But nevertheless, expect to see a few surprises and just as a reminder, this is totally opinion based so you can laugh at my picks, I'm not going to take away that privilege from you. But now, let's get my picks on the way. So starting from the Winnipeg Jets, the first name on the board is going to be the slick and speedy goal scorer out of Michigan, Mr. Carl Connor. 
Electrifying offensive talent has taken me away in recent years due to his deceptive offensive skills and skating ability, which are in the top margin of this league, in my opinion. He just has the ability to create offense almost out of nothing due to his speed and stick handling, and you can see those attributes from the highlights where he tends to appear on almost weekly basis. His quick snapper creates problems for goaltenders each time he's in the offensive zone, and he can snipe it in from any angle which creates a sense for the viewer where you can't just lay your eyes off of him when he has the puck. And of course, it's also entertaining to watch his lettuce soaring through the wind as he jets up the wing full speed, pun intended. So he's going to be my pick from Winnipeg pound for pound. Meanwhile, the honorable mentions go to Cole Perfetti and Neil Pionk. I've recently learned to love Perfetti's on-ice vision and how he's able to find open teammates in the offensive zone, and that is exactly why I have big expectations for him for the future since I see him as one of the best future playmakers of the NHL, and if you could slot him alongside a guy like Connor, you're about to see big offensive numbers, so that's why he earns some recognition from the roster. Pionk, on the other hand, I've liked this game ever since his days in the Big Apple and honestly, I was pretty bummed out by the fact that he was traded to Winnipeg for Jacob Truba back then, but I don't want to start speculating about that deal in this episode, so we are going to leave that there for now. His good skating ability combined with great passing is a combination that every team needs to their backline, and if you are capable of putting up 30 to 40 points per season from the blue line, that doesn't hurt the equation at all. His defense has been up and down through the past few seasons, so that would be something that I would like to concentrate on, but he also has a hidden physical edge to him as well, and can really throw his body around unexpectedly at times, so it has boosted his likability on my papers, in surprise of absolutely no one. Nikola Ehlers earns the last shoutout since it was a close contest between Perfetti and him, but that will be the main trio for Winnipeg, and next we will make our way to US capital, Washington DC. Here the obvious choice of course is going to be Alexander Ovechkin for the pure reason that he is the best goal scorer in the history of the NHL. Simple as that. We all know his game, his unstoppable one-timer, heavy wrist shot and crushing body check so I feel like I don't need to justify my pick more than that. There is just this unicorn-esque sniper power forward type that we haven't seen in the NHL for many many years that really intrigues, and although he might not be the most skillful stick handler in the league, which you could expect when looking at his numbers, but the sheer power in his game is eye-catching and with the way he's been scoring all throughout his career, it is undeniable why he has been as big as he has for the league for the past two decades. So therefore, I believe that you get why he is the clear-cut pick for me from this team. And when it comes to honorable mentions, the shoutouts go to one of the league's best playmakers, Yevgeny Kuznetsov, and everyone's favorite son-in-law, Tom Wilson. I know this is a sensitive topic, but just hear me out, buddy. Once again, skill has attracted me on behalf of Kuznetsov, and there is just something about Russian forwards with 
only tip of their plate taped in white that draws me in. And I guess some of you can even relate to that. But it goes without saying that Kuznetsov's numbers as well speak for themselves and his combination of elite hands, offensive IQ and playmaking ability make you want to watch him. And if you even add a score like Ovechkin to his side, you just have to pay attention each shift. There is just no denying that. We've seen his highlights and know how at times the puck is on a string. And with the way he's been able to find open teammates across the seam or through traffic is impressive and that is why he earns some recognition at this point. When it comes to Wilson though, well, even with all of his antics, suspensions and whatnot, he just feels some kind of void in me in regards to physical style of hockey and you gotta be honest here and realize that there are not that many of his kind in the NHL anymore since you just need to be so versatile in today's game that there really isn't room for full-on brawlers and agitators without skill. He really is a physical specimen and we haven't seen anything quite like him in the NHL in years so that's why I'm drawn into his game with all of its flaws. After all, it creates a certain dynamic on the ice where you always have to pay attention to your surroundings more than usual. And in my mind, that is not always a negative thing since those guys are paid to perform under huge amount of stress. And when knowing that there is a guy on the ice that can hit you through the boards at any given time, you gotta be a step ahead in order to avoid those situations, so it should also improve your game that way as well. But in conclusion, he's just so unique player type that I really like to watch him, and you can ask from his linemates if they really like to play alongside him, because... I personally would much rather play on his line than against him, so that's why he earns the shout-out from DC as well. Then we arrive to Vegas, and the one name above everyone else for me is Jack Eichel. Needless to say, what his best attributes are, because they pretty well line up with most of the other names on my list so far. Speed kills and this guy has it while playmaking and goal scoring come naturally with it. But if you haven't looked at his advanced analytics, you might not know that this guy is extremely good defensively as well. Bet you didn't know that one. So what comes out of that is a pretty well balanced new age two-way center who has all the tools to be a 100 point guy each year. Behind Mark Stone, he has been their best defensive forward and you could see his development on that front already in Buffalo. So the question for me when he was traded to Vegas was that, was this just an illusion because he had to take more responsibility defensively in Buffalo due to their horrific teams back then? Or would this translate to his game in Vegas as well? And so far, that has been the case and I've learned to love his game even more since the trade. He has bounced back to his elite level this year after the surgery and I'm glad to see that he hasn't missed a beat even with all those bumps in the road to Vegas. His snapshot is lethal and when you combine it with his stick handling skill and effortless stride, you understand that he is one of the most dangerous forwards in the league from the rush. Simple as that. To me, he is still underrated player because people don't follow analytics that closely and I understand the point in that but I feel like if the Knights end up finishing as firmly as they've started the season and he puts up plus 100 point season, he will get more recognition around the league 
which he should have earned way, way before that. But I guess some people just want to see him as some kind of a rebellion who wanted to get himself out of a badly managed organization. And I get that, but look at both teams now. Buffalo is taking huge strides regarding their future, so they have benefited from trading him. And Eichel gets to shine in Vegas with a team that will compete for the Stanley Cup, so to me, it's a win-win situation. But yeah, those are pretty much the points I wanted to make which earned him the spot on top of my list regarding the Knights. The two other names will come from the blue line and they are Shea Theodore and Braden McNabb. In regards to McNabb, I think you can guess why I like his game because I've mentioned him already a couple of times through the past year and a half. But to make things clear, his ruthless physical playstyle is what draws me to watch him play. And although he might not have the puck skills or skating to amaze anyone, I have huge respect for guys that do their jobs in their own end and are physical presences that you should be aware of every time you cross the offensive blue line. And that is exactly where McNabb shines the most. Absolute stapling machine and that's that. Theodore, on the other hand, represents the other type where puck carrying, shooting and passing skills are in the forefront. And for me, it was absolutely idiotic from the Ducks to leave him unprotected in the expansion draft. And I believe that their management has regretted that decision ever since because Theodore has become one of the best two-way blue liners in the game in my opinion. He shines in the offensive zone and his deceptiveness and puck handling skills have become bothersome for guys trying to defend him. And needless to say, his point totals from past few seasons tell that same story. And he was really close to becoming the number one choice from the Knights, but this time Eichel will take the top spot on this listing. Remaining shoutouts will go to Jack Whitecloud and Logan Thompson, the undercover gems. For Vancouver, the case is pretty simple. The player that I like to watch the most is Quinn Hughes. Modern day offensive defenseman to the root, elite skating, great puck handling, excellent passing and goal scoring ability, so what's there not to like about his game? And I said offensive demand for a reason since the defense is lacking a bit behind, but it isn't Eric Carlson S by any means. It's just like watching Art when you see him skate so effortlessly and thus is the clear-cut number one when it comes to Vancouver's roster. Behind him, Elias Pedersen and Thatcher Demko earned the late shoutouts. And it should be once again pretty straightforward why I like to follow these guys when the Canucks are on the TV. Unfortunately, I can't tell you how much better these guys will eventually evolve since the situation in Vancouver is just alarming on all fronts and they've made so many bad decisions through the years that I don't anymore know who and what to trust exactly. Like it's obvious that Demko could seriously become a Vesna candidate and Pedersen in the best scenario could be a Hart nominee, but due to them currently floating on a life raft in the middle of the ocean, and not seeing any clear signs of land, the outcome of this mess is as up in the air as the helium balloon that slipped out of a kid's hands. And it's unfortunate, let me make that straight, since I really thought that the Stanley Cup Finals appearance against the Bees wasn't going to be their last during the next decade, but it's really looking like that ain't going to happen anytime soon, and a rebuild 
could be the more possible option in the worst case. So I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys really stepping up to the next level, but the franchise just currently is in such a fragile situation, which doesn't really feed into their players. And thus, I wouldn't say that they would become busts, but not being able to reach their full potentials would be how I would describe their possible future inside the organization if some things don't just drastically change. But that is a topic for another episode. Toronto is up next and even how much I like to bash these guys due to certain characteristics, it is obvious that they have few players that belong to the elite of this league and thus are entertaining to watch on nightly basis. It shouldn't surprise you that much that Austin Matthews is the main honcho for me, because it would be straight up disrespectful to not name him for this spot, if I'm being totally honest. Next generation's best goal scorer hands down with world known Reister deserves his spot at the top, and now that he has developed his defense to a whole nother level, it gives him even more weapons in regards to being a complete player on the next level, and possibly even the face of the entire league. Some characteristics also apply to my other honorable mention, since it's going to be his partner in crime, Mitch Marner. Surprise, surprise. Because he as well has become extremely competent defensively and is no longer just a playmaking winger for number 34. He has amazing hands to go along with this elite vision and while undressing Demon, he can almost carry the puck past the goal line which should tell you a lot about his skill set. But those guys shouldn't surprise you too drastically, but the third name on my list is going to be a bit wackier since it is going to be the Swedish blue liner Timothy Liljegren, who I first thought was going to be the biggest steal of the 2017 draft class, but insufficient defense and injuries have put brakes on that vision. Now though, he has really broken into their top four and has become one of their more reliable blue line options defensively, in the absence of TJ Brody and Jake Muzzin. And I can only imagine that trend continuing to grow now that he's back in their lineup after another injury. His skating has always been his biggest asset and his defensive game has taken huge strides during the past two seasons, so no wonder he has become a staple on their back four and even become the second best option on the right side behind Brody, if not even the best one. You Leafs fans can comment more on that. But I just like his game a lot and thought that he would become this 50-60 to 60 point guy on the next level due to his great puck skills and skating, but he has become much more well-rounded than I thought, and honestly, I have nothing to complain about, quite the opposite. But that is pretty much going to be the trio from Toronto, and then we head to Tampa Bay next. And as we arrive to Tampa Bay, it should be pretty obvious who are the guys I like to watch the most. The entire orchestra of Vasilevsky, Hedman, Kucherov, Point, and Stammer. Surprise, surprise. And although we have another Russian with white toe tape, I gotta go with the goal scorer on this one, Steven Stamkos. At the end of the day, Vasi is Vasi, Hedman is one of the best in the league to man the blue line, while Kucherov and Point are just dominant offensive forces, so... It surely wasn't an easy choice, but I've just been so invested in Stamkis' career from his junior days in Sarnia that I couldn't name anyone else for the top spot. 
He is undoubtedly one of the best goal scorers in the league ever. Maybe debatable to some, but not for me, and that's pretty much the main reason why he was the pick for this spot. It is just a harsh cold truth that it's so freaking hard to score goals in the NHL that guys that do that on yearly basis on an elite level are just different breed and earn their stripes like no other in my papers. Sergachev and Cirelli have slowly grown on to me as well, but do not belong to this elite group of other names mentioned earlier. And you can pretty much pick your poison for the remaining two honorable mentions, because we are going to continue and head to St. Louis next. Here my choice is fairly obvious due to my own background, because it's going to be my former D partner, Nico Mikkola. And I'm not kissing ass here, the fact just is that you tend to pay close attention to guys that you've previously played with, just like Colby said during his interview with me earlier this year. And it is just been remarkable to see him grow into an NHL caliber defenseman, because if you would have told me that he's going to be playing alongside Colton Pareko within the next five years, as we were playing together on a seam team, I would have probably chuckled and told you to go check your eyesight, and this is not an attack towards him quite the opposite. Because for me, he is the embodiment of resilience and determination, and I look up to this guy for what he's been able to do. And at this point, it is undisputable that he wouldn't belong to NHL after signing his new 1.9 million deal with the Blues. His skating, nasty playstyle, and octopus-esque reach have enabled him to reach the top of the sport, and I have nothing but respect for the guy for that accomplishment. So the player pick for the Blues is a easy as that for me. The honorable mentions go to Jordan Cairo and Braden Shen, and why is that? Well, let me enlighten you a bit. I've been Shen's fan ever since he was traded to Philadelphia in 2011, because as you know, I was a Flyers fan for a long time, partially because of its ties with Kalpa and the Finns that played there, for example, Kimmo Timonen, Sami Kapanen, Joni Pitkanen, Andro Niittymäki and many more. So when he was traded there from the Kings, I once again fell for the rugged power forward type and have followed his journey ever since. He's been a consistent 50 to 70 point player all throughout his career and in my opinion has been a somewhat underappreciated forward and that might be due to his high draft status of fifth overall pick. But nevertheless, he's going to be the other honorable mention. Meanwhile, Jordan Cairo is going to be the other name on the list and represents the new age NHL with his speed and skill. Most of the modern fans are probably familiar with what he brings to the table for the Blues and to me there is still offensive upside that we haven't yet seen so quite frankly I'm just waiting to see if he really has another gear to himself or if he ends up being just a complimentary top 6 option for the team. He's a real modern-day offensive threat who, like I said, has the speed to burn defenders, hands to make them look foolish and, if need be, an ability to find open teammates with surgeon-esque precision and even skills to find the open net consistently. So this year has been somewhat of a letdown for me thus far, so I'm really hoping that their team can get things straightened out and they can become the contender I envisioned them becoming before the season started. Next though, we head to Seattle to see which players made the list from the NHL's newest expansion team. 
If you have paid any attention to them this year or listened to the previous episodes, you should be aware of my fandom towards their future number one center, Matthew Beniers. The mature 20-year-old two-way center has taken me away with his play and when you see where his skills are currently, you can only imagine how good he is going to be in just few years once he really establishes his spot inside the league's top players. His name is almost engraved to the Selke Trophy already and with the way he's been scoring this year, the Calder could be waiting for him in this summer's NHL awards, so the future is extremely bright for the young buck and I can't find many attributes in his game that should shy you away from watching him either, so don't sleep on the guy cause you may regret it later on. The honorable mentions will go to Andrei Burakovsky and defenseman Vince Dunn. And when it comes to Dunn, the same reasons apply to him than they did for previously mentioned Neil Pionk, so if you want the specs, go back to Winnipeg and learn what these guys bring to the table for both teams. Burakovsky, on the other hand, has slowly grown on to me from his days with the Capitals, and once again the combination of white toe tape and near elite scoring ability have taken me away, so no surprises there whatsoever. It's just been awesome to see him develop from a lanky scoring winger to a real point machine, and although I was expecting his numbers to drop after a career season in Colorado, to this date the point pace hasn't been affected that much, quite the opposite and the guy is looking to break his last year's point total if he ends up staying healthy and the Kraken battle four spots in the postseason during the spring season as well. Terrific offensive unit that stands out especially now in his new environment so it should be fairly obvious why he makes the list from a pretty mediocre name list. And as we make our way to San Jose, you might be surprised that the obvious choice here is not Eric Carlson, even with his early season heroics, but rather the Swiss bulldozer Timo Meyer. A physically dominant winger with great scoring upside has been the most intriguing name for me on the roster for a couple of years now, and seemingly I'll have to find another player to represent this team because he may be on his way out of San Jose before this season is done and dusted. And contrary to other power forwards that have appeared on this list already, he isn't that invested in the physical side of hockey which separates him from the rest, but still you notice him on the ice with his good puck protection skills and the ability to find the back of the net with this lethal wrist shot. The two other names on the list are going to be Eric Carlson and uh, let's throw in Thomas Hurdle as well. And I think everyone knows why Carlson was one of the picks because the guy has turned back the clock this year and is on elite form offensively. But on the other hand, what has really decreased his value through the past couple of seasons has been the fact that his defensive game has really taken a hit. And if you are not producing with the way you have this year, the odds are that the 11.5 million you are making becomes liability for the team. And why Hurdle is the other choice? Well, He's extremely sound defensively and he can appear on the highlight reel every now and then, so he has some spark in his game in that sense as well, and thus earns his spot, because to be honest, there weren't too many other options to choose from. Then we head to Pittsburgh, and lo and behold, the trio of Crosby, Malkin, and Letang will man the three available spots, so I guess there's not too much to speculate about here. 
Crosby takes the top spot, while Gino and Letang earn the honorable mentions. And also, shout-out goes to Jake Cancel, since he's certainly close to that trio, and one could even argue for naming him, but for now, we are going to stick with that trio. Philly, on the other hand, is a bit trickier, but the guys who I most like to follow are Carter Hart, Tony D'Angelo, and Travis Konechny. Konechny takes the top spot while Hart and D'Angelo earn the honorable mentions here. Konechny's aggressive style has struck me because he really reminds me of Montreal's Brendan Gallagher with the way he's always in other players' kitchens, so to say. But he also has the offensive flair to put up points and pretty much is a consistent 50-point guy while playing way above his size, so that's why he's the number one name on the roster for me. Carter Hart is pretty easy pick because the guy has all the tools imaginable to become an elite netminder on the NHL level and has already showcased his upside this year with the Flyers, but he needs a competent team in front of him in order to become a Vesna-level goalie, so we'll see if the franchise drags down his future upside or if they are able to correct the course and make the team competitive again, because Hart would benefit from that without any questions. But elite-level talent nevertheless, whose future is going to be very intriguing to watch. So that is exactly why I'm so invested in him at the moment. And finally, when it comes to D'Angelo, despite all of his antics and past, it's undeniable that he's an entertaining player to watch on the ice due to his great skating ability, slick puck skills, and the ability to add numbers on the scoreboard on a nightly basis. This year, his numbers have dropped down a bit from previous years, but I think we can all guess why that is, and even though his defensive game isn't world class, he gets away with it at times due to his high production numbers and his high skill set, but those are the guys I will shout out from the Flyers. Joel Farabee and Ivan Provarov will earn the star stickers as well. Moving on to Ottawa, and here I had plenty to choose from, but I decided to give the honors to one of the more hated players in the league once again, from the famous Ketchuk family tree, Pray to Get Chuck. I think his brother said it best in a Spitting Chicklets episode. There really isn't anyone like him who is able to put up points like he does, while being an imposing force physically, who is also willing to fight anyone in the league at any given time. As I've said already in this episode, there is a scarcity of these guys in the NHL nowadays, and if you are that kind of a player, you gather a lot of attention, negative and positive, so to me, his combination of skill, nastiness and productivity is just so unique that I like to see what he has in store for each matchup. I know that many hate him and I totally get why, but these are the guys that are the most loved ones inside the locker room. And to me, it is no coincidence that he was given the C last year, because the guy is willing to do anything on behalf of the success of the entire team. There's no denying that. So that's why he takes the top spot on my list behind him. We have the newest rookie on their team, Jake Sanderson and the 20-year-old German, Tim Stutzle. When it comes to Stutzle, as you could probably tell from my preseason prediction, I'm a big fan of his and really believe in his upside in this league, 
due to his high-end skill set and skating ability, and I've been really happy to see him getting his points up, even though the team has been less than mediocre this year. He needs to keep his level and pace from this year if the Sens aim to compete in the Atlantic Division, and if he ends up reaching the elite level in this league, the Sens are bound to play some meaningful games in the spring in the future. But the other guys also have to participate in the party as well, so we'll see how it goes for them down the road. Sanderson is one of the guys who will join these two when it comes to leaders of this young Sens squad, and already this year we've seen glimpses of his possible upside on the next level. Terrific skater who has puck carrying capability and hockey IQ to be one of the top names on the blue line in this league. And with the way he's been progressing, he should be closing down on that bunch in no time. And while he wouldn't amaze you with few main key attributes, he's just so consistent and so well-rounded that I have firm belief in his upside because, after all, he ended up jumping the board on his draft day and for a very good reason, so... If you haven't paid any attention to him due to a lackluster Zen squad, I would really advise you to do so because he will be one of the top names on the blue line in the entire league in the coming years. So take an early jump on that front and put this guy's name on your short list because you may be surprised in few seasons if you don't do just that. Josh Norris, Shane Pinto and Alex Debrinkad will earn the remaining last shoutouts from this team. Next we head to New York and the first team from there on the board is going to be the Rangers. And once again, it should be fairly obvious who the most attractive guys game-wise are. Shesterkin, Fox, Panarin, Zibanejad, Kreider. But guys who I'm going to go with are Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin and as a treat I'll have Keandre Miller and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Fox is the number one on this list due to his elite skill set and I don't think I don't need to justify my decision more than that. Top 5 defenseman in the league, Norris Trophy winner, great all-around player so what more could you even ask for? Same as Hedman, pure beast from the blue line. And when it comes to Panarin, white toe tape, slick hands and high hockey IQ equipped with nasty wrist shot. Simple as that. You've heard this story before. And you've probably heard me praising Miller once or twice in this podcast already, but despite that, I'll lay down the reasons why he is so high in my listing. Huge frame, physical play style which people tend to overlook, and a former forward with great offensive skill set and upside, so on paper, sounds like a high upside next generation blue liner doesn't it? That's at least what I think and honestly it's been surprising to not see his numbers going up drastically because of all those gifts that he possesses. There's still time for him to put those into action and really bump up his stats and I'm still firm believer in that happening. So purely those facts alone make him so intriguing for me to watch him play. I was arguing with myself for placing Braden Snyder or even Ryan Lindgren on this list ahead of him but once I started to compare these three, I came to a conclusion where Miller just has so many tools that the other two just don't possess that I had to include him. But it has to be said that those two who didn't make it into my top three are still very high in my ranking due to their reliable and physical defensive playstyles. 
Heavy hitters who do their job night in and night out without complaining are undeniably valuable for teams, which I understand and that is exactly why I have so much respect for both of these guys who will be part of their elite defensive core, led by my number one pick, Adam Fox. And you may challenge that thought, but just wait and you will see. So there's the top three, plus the honorable mentions from the Big Apple, and next we head to Long Island, where we will have another bunch of players to watch. From the Isles, the trio is pretty straightforward. At the top, the Sonic himself, aka Matthew Berzal, and right behind him are right-handed youngsters Noah Dobson and Oliver Wallström. Speed, skill, and productivity are, of course, on the forefront when it comes to Barzal's game, and I think that it's pretty obvious overall why he is so entertaining to watch. Because the guy has placing speed and hands to go along with it, so why wouldn't you want to watch him stick handle his way through the traffic and to end the show by digging the goalie out of his skates? Pretty simple, am I right? Not a lot to argue about. Dobson also has some of these attributes where he's a terrific skater with great passing skill and a bomb of a shot from the point. Elite modern two-way defenseman whose real upside we have yet to see, so I have big expectations on his part and I guess you could sense that from the tire pumps I've given him through the past year. One of my favorite blue liners, hands down. And when it comes to Wallstrom, he'll once again possess his skills that draw me in to watch his play, where he has a heck of a shot which can beat goaltenders from anywhere in the offensive zone, and a physical edge which terrifies some defenders who know they have to take his hits in their own defensive end. I've been hoping that he could get his numbers up more, but so far injuries have backtracked his progress, so until he gets to play a full season without injuries and gets the power play time in addition to top 6 minutes, I can't predict where his offensive upside will be on the next level, but what he's been able to do previously would suggest a successful NHL career with plus 50 point seasons, year in and year out, but we'll see. Then we make our way to the penultimate team of this week's episode, the New Jersey Devils, and here we have a handful of options who I like to follow on a league-wide level. The clear-cut number one option for me, though, is Quinn's younger brother, Jack Hughes. He is just electrifying to watch each time he steps onto the ice due to his elite skill level, and there are only a handful of names in the NHL that can bring you to the edge of your seat, like he does with his stick-handling wizardry. Elite passer, hands like a hot butter and a shot that will surprise many goaltenders, is a package that any team could use, so it shouldn't surprise you that he's finally passing the point-per-game mark and is on his way to break a single-season point record. So anyone who doubted his upside a couple years ago can start to eat their words finally because you were a fool, and he is proving you wrong. Simple as that. His elusiveness is just on a whole nother level and reminds me a lot of younger Patrick Kane, which isn't a bad comparison to start with, and very soon the guy is going to be one of the best players in this league, and there's very little evidence to deny that. No cap. And that's exactly why he deserves his spot on top of my list. The honorable mentions go to forward Phenom, Jesper Brad, and defenseman John Marino. Brad is the obvious choice here since he could have challenged for the top spot on my list and I can't really argue with that. 
But this time Hughes was a step ahead and stays as the number one guy on my board. But Brad also features lots of those same attributes that I love about Hughes's game, where he's extremely elusive on his skates, has great puck handling ability and has tremendous scoring upside, so there's really little to separate these two guys in that sense. Of course, Hughes has the upside over him, but largely these two guys are made out of pretty similar modes. His last year really brought him up to a league-wide scope and it has been nice to see him continuing where he left off last year since it has enabled the Devils to battle against the best of the best in the league and without a doubt makes the team's front office think about where they are going to place the dot when it comes to his next contract because after all they said we'll give you one year prove it deal and if you can repeat that then we will continue this discussion further so it's going to be a hot topic inside their office building this spring. But I've really fallen in love in this game and think more people should pay closer attention to it since it's really entertaining to watch and often you get drawn into guys that hold the puck the most so it shouldn't be hard to notice this guy when he jumps onto the ice. And lastly, one of my absolute favorite defensive-minded blue liners in the league, the unsung hero, John Marino. Like... I gotta ask the question from the Pens front office. Why did you let this guy go? Why? You saw his analytics and what he provided for the team, but still, you made the choice of letting him go. I get the fact that you needed to juggle with the cap space, but still. Through the past two years, he has been analytically one of the best shutdown defensemen in the league, so no one should be surprised about his numbers in New Jersey. And the numbers have even gone better since he joined the Devils, who were defensively one of the worst teams through the past couple of seasons, so describe to me how that's even possible. I really haven't grasped the real fact in that equation, but still he has climbed my rankings even more this season, and even how much I would like to question the early success of the team, Marino's handprint so far has been undeniable, and I'm not surprised by his success in Jersey whatsoever more so the cohesive success of their entire organization defensively, but good for them. Maybe the Devils are further in their process than I had thought, but for now, I still want to keep my expectations in check and see how far they are able to go with their current momentum, because there are still many names that are coming up, so even more eyes are going to be on this franchise in the future. And the last team we will go through in this episode is going to be the Nashville Predators, where the favorite player to watch for me is their captain Swiss native, Roman Yossi. Elite blue liner in this league has all the necessary attributes to be on top. Elite passing skill, nice set of hands, great skating and goal scoring ability with extremely sound defensive game, so what's really missing? I guess you could say physicality, but when you have as sound defensive game as he does, that's not necessary regarding the results on the ice. And I think this choice doesn't need extra assurance, so we can move to our honorable mentions, which will go to Swedish forward Philip Forsberg and a good old Canadian bruiser, Tanner Jarnot. It should be pretty obvious why Forsberg earns his spot on the list since he is, my mind, their best forward on the roster, who has been under some doubt due to somewhat underwhelming seasons point-wise, but this year... He has picked up the pace and in 27 games has recorded 25 points under his new 8.5 million deal, so we'll see if he ends up reaching higher point totals this year 
than he has ever done so far in his career. I wouldn't say that he's elite offensively, but he certainly holds attributes that are very close to that level, and he can be found from the highlight reels every now and then, so at least to me, he brings entertainment value for the franchise that possesses more two-way type players than offensive Mastros. So he will earn the other honorable mention within the Preds roster, and the last remaining mention will go to Chennault, who I've fallen in love due to his rugged physical playstyle. You've probably seen him in the highlights where he has absolutely obliterated someone on the open ice or had a dealt with one of the heavyweights of the league, so you should be somewhat familiar with this guy. He just has this undercover power in his game, and although he isn't the biggest guy in the league by any means, he's a tough customer one-on-one and is known for his reverse hits on guys that seemingly have him lined up already. He's a good skater, and although his numbers offensively are not anything special, as a middle six forward, I just love to watch him due to his physical playstyle and his emergence into the league has been somewhat surprising for many, me included, so at least I've enjoyed his presence in the top league of the globe. Our Finns, Mikael Granlund and Jusa Saros also earn shoutouts at this point, but that will pretty much conclude the run-through for this episode. So to conclude my picks, from Winnipeg, the number one position goes to Carl Connor, while Cole Perfetti and Neil Pionk earn the honorary shoutouts. From Washington, the grade 8 takes the top spot, closely followed by Yevgeny Kuznetsov and Tom Wilson. From Vegas, Jack Eichel earns the most credits, while Shea Theodore and Brady McNabb get the remaining credits. Vancouver's top dog is Quinn Hughes, followed by Elias Pedersen and Thatcher Demko. Toronto's fairly obvious trio is starred by Austin Matthews with Mitch Marner and Timothy Lilligren on his side. Tampa's number one is and will be Steven Stamkos, while the following spots go to Nikita Kucherov and Andrei Vasilevsky, although you could throw in the mix point and headman as well. But for the sake of this listing, I decided to go with those guys instead. St. Louis's main man is my guy Nico Mikkola, spiced up by Jordan Cairo and Braden Shen. Seattle's rookie Matthew Beniers is the main guy for them, followed by Andre Burakovsky and Vince Dunn. Meanwhile, top spot from San Jose goes to Timo Meyer, with names Eric Carlson and Thomas Hurdle alongside him. Pittsburgh's trio of Crosby, Malkin and Latang is probably the most obvious one led by their captain. Phyllis' trio will be highlighted by Travis Konechny. Meanwhile, Tony D'Angelo and Carter Hart stand right below him in the totem pole. Ottawa's number one for me is Brady Kachuk, supported by rookie Jake Sanderson and Tim Stutzle. Rangers trio is led by defenseman Adam Fox, and after him, I got Russell Wizard, Artemi Panarin, and the medium-rare blue line talent K. Andre Miller. From Isles, the top name is Mr. Sonic himself, Matthew Barzal, followed by young upcoming D-man Noah Dobson, and Oliver Wallstrom. Jack Hughes leads the Devils team with Jesper Brad and John Marino on his side, and from Nashville, the trio is Roman Yossi on top with Philip Forsberg and Tanner Janot as the supporting cast. So there is your first 48 names and the rest will be presented to you right before Christmas. So remember to keep your appetite until then to learn which players will make the list from the remaining teams. But that will be pretty much it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this fairly different episode from the usual entries. And let me know which players will make it into your top three from each team. 
Go check out the social media pages from the description and remember to share the love to the ones closest to you because after all, it's that time of the year. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me when you stop by. I wish you nothing but the best, my G. And I'll see you in the next episode. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.